12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham. Time for our Australia update to find out all the latest headlines from down under. And joining us on the line, all the way from Brisbane, is ABC News journalist Jason Dacey. Always a pleasure speaking to you, Jason. How are you today? I'm pretty good, Adrian. Good afternoon to you and all the listeners on Money FM. Yeah, Jason, so much to get through COVID-19 and it's, you know, happenings in Australia. The numbers are crazy. The situation is getting worse. Tell me a little bit more about Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra. How are they coping with the latest restrictions? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, those three big cities are the worst affected uh, within Australia. You've got Sydney, probably the worst with, you know, over 800 cases per day. You've got Melbourne with around 70 or so cases per day and Canberra, the nation's capital, which is actually roughly halfway between Sydney and Melbourne with, uh, you know, between 10 and 20 cases per day. But a lot of people are very upset about being locked down. You know, within Sydney, we're into the third month of this uh, crazy uh, lockdown period. Melbourne's been the worst affected uh, city over the course of the coronavirus pandemic. But I guess there is light at the end of the tunnel because um, people are getting the message now in Australia about getting vaccinated. uh, And uh, we are seeing record numbers of vaccinations. So this is kind of the pathway that we have out of it, but it really is affecting every part of Australian life. And we are a bit concerned about the economy and people's jobs and, you know, small businesses and everything like that. But just to give you the the big picture, you know, we are now pushing a thousand deaths of coronavirus in Australia due to this, you know, Delta outbreak that's uh, hit Sydney so hard. Every day we're getting between two and four or five deaths, which is really pushing that uh, toll up. Yeah, it's crazy numbers to say the least, Jason, how it was once the gold standard and now it's really struggling as you get with lockdowns and more restrictions. People are going to get upset, angry, and they're probably going to, you know, protest as well. We've seen that in Melbourne, Sydney and the New South Wales, Queensland border. Tell me a little bit more about the latest situation there. Yeah, so over the weekend, that's where we saw uh, these ugly protests in Sydney and Melbourne and the Gold Coast, you know. So first, the Gold Coast, which is the area that I'm close to here in Brisbane, and we have this uh, split community of um, Tweedheads and Coolangatta between New South Wales and Queensland. So as I mentioned on the show last week, there are a lot of people that just uh, can't work uh, and they're only working just a, you know, a few hundred metres across the border. So there was this protest on both Saturday and Sunday at the Gold Coast. There was a guy riding a horse, a <laughs> protester there. Um, and we I should mention that the you know, northern New South Wales part of Australia, just, you know, south of the Gold Coast is a very kind of alternative uh, part of uh, New South Wales and Australia where they are very much anti-vaccine. So it's not surprising that's flared up there. And they do have a point, you know, about maybe extending the Queensland border 10K or 20K or even 50K south of uh, where it is now, because people in those, um, you know, twin towns of Coolangatta Tweed Heads and those traveling over the border every day to work can actually have a better kind of life because at the moment their lives are on hold and I can understand why they're frustrated. I'm less sympathetic with uh, what's happened in in Sydney and Melbourne. We saw Australian police clash with anti-lockdown protesters in the two biggest cities of Australia, Melbourne and Sydney. We saw Melbourne, maybe around 4,000 people breaking through police lines there over the weekend, 218 people 
were arrested in Melbourne. At least seven officers were injured. And in Sydney, uh, we saw also an ugly protest there with lots of fines and I guess uh, people handing out, uh, you know, the police handing out fines and, and infringement notices to people. And even in, in Brisbane, where I am, we saw 2000 protesters gathered over the weekend, but that was largely peaceful. And here in Queensland, in, in Brisbane, the lockdown measure isn't in force. So that was a lot more manageable. Um, I even saw an old school friend of mine who was taking a picture of himself and taking part in that Sydney protest. And you know, he, he's always into these conspiracy theories. And I felt really bad for him. I'm not sure whether he was one of the people protesting. I wouldn't say he was a close friend, but it was someone that I went to school with. So, uh, you know, on social media, you can follow what your um, old schoolmates are doing. Yeah, you certainly can. And uh, yeah, unfortunate events to say the least, Jason. But something else is on the agenda. And this comes as good news, not only for you, but the rest of the citizens of Australia. The vaccination rollout is picking up roughly 25% fully vaccinated. 50% have had their first jab. Australia, well, their vaccination rate was shocking to say the least. Jason, you've had both your doses. First up, how was the second dose? And secondly, tell me, is there hope now in terms of the vaccination rollout? Will you expect more of the population to be inoculated maybe in the next few months? Well, I can actually update those figures because we have got some new figures just in over the last few minutes. And now we see more than 30% of Australians fully vaccinated, almost a third because of the record numbers that we are seeing, I think almost 2 million people over the last week. So every day, every 24 hours, we're getting updated figures. So we do have almost a third fully vaccinated. And as you mentioned, more than half getting at least one dose. And as for myself, I got AstraZeneca in June and then I got my second dose last week. Now, there was supposed to be a 12-week gap between the first and second doses, but the medical professionals are now saying for AstraZeneca, it can be, you know, eight or nine weeks. So I waited about eight to nine weeks and got the second dose, went to my local GP. Um, so I'm very happy about that. Uh, you know, I think the vaccine hesitancy is starting to kind of melt away for normal people. My friend who went to, I went to school with, I don't think he'll ever get vaccinated. He's one of these anti-vaxxers who has spent quite a lot of time in that sort of hippie part of northern New South Wales. Uh, but the message is getting through and the Prime Minister Scott Morrison is talking about the potential pathway for Australians to get out of this mess. You know, he said, we don't want to be living in a cave forever. He used the word cave. So he says that maybe, you know, when we get to November, we might have 80%, 70 to 80% people vaccinated, and that's when we can start to open up. And in the worst affected state of New South Wales, the Premier Gladys Berejiklian has uh, just come out over the last 24 hours or so and said that she's really heartened by the way people are going out to get vaccinations in the most populous state of New South Wales. So yeah, the picture is brightening up, even though we are seeing these uh, case numbers still quite high. There were predictions that we could see, you know, 2,000 cases a day in the state of New South Wales and in the city of Sydney. We're not seeing that yet, so it is a good sign. But we are still seeing crazy things happening, Adrian. For example, a church service on Sunday was broken up. You know, can you imagine? These people are, you know, supposedly law-abiding and, you know, God-loving citizens and they were doing something illegal and uh, i think a couple of hundred people got fined and you can get fined up to five thousand australian dollars with uh, the australian dollar and the singapore dollar being about the same oh crazy imagine going to church and being in that situation carrying on with your routine and so on uh, we're in conversation with jason dacey abc news journalist uh, jason you mentioned that story of your friend actually i wanted to you took the word straight out of my mouth i said yep sounds like an anti-vaxxer but 
Something else has been making headlines is uh, the situation in Afghanistan, where the Taliban have taken control of uh, Kabul as well. Now, Australia's been in the news part of this story. Uh, they've denied at-risk Afghans working with Australians in Kabul visas. Now, why have they done this? Well, yeah, this is obviously the other big story that's going on, as well as the coronavirus pandemic and the vaccine rollout. And, and it's something that I've been working on in my capacity as an ABC News uh, journalist for the website. And, you know, we've seen a lot of Australians and Australian passport holders, uh, visa holders getting evacuated uh, from Kabul into third countries and then coming to Australia, whether it's Perth or Melbourne. But not everybody, uh, you know, is getting, you know, airlifted and rescued. We had this uh, story that we were covering at the ABC where these 100 Afghan contractors who guarded the Australian embassy in Kabul were told to contact a migration agent rather than go directly through the Australian government to get out. And again, probably the Australian government has a, a reason for this. So they're told that they have to kind of go through this uh, convoluted process. And we all know that the Taliban is wreaking havoc already uh, in Kabul and other parts of Afghanistan. So I guess, uh, you know, the Foreign Affairs Minister Maurice Payne has to make decisions about which Afghans should come because, you know, let's face it, Adrian, you know, a lot of people in Afghanistan would love to come to Singapore, to, uh, you know, Australia, you know, to Canada. They want to just get out of Afghanistan. And some people may not have, you know, completely justifiable and valid reasons to get out. They may be stretching it. You know, I knew so-and-so, so-and-so who worked at the embassy, but it does seem that they have a valid reason these ones who are working as security guards you know at the Australian embassy and I have friends that have worked as journalists in Kabul who've gone there and they know how important it is to have really good security not just now with the Taliban you know making this advance but uh, you know over the past you know 10 years or so where we've had um, foreign forces there trying to do things and of course as we know the US is withdrawing and exiting from Afghanistan and there's absolute chaos. Yeah, it's just so sad, the situation in Afghanistan. And we can only hope that, you know, it gets better in the days and weeks to come. A little bit of sport now, Jason. Uh, the Wallaby rugby star, we talked about him uh, the last time we spoke. Tote Kefub, he's back home now, but his wife is still uh, recovering in hospital. What's he been saying about this home invasion and the attack he suffered? Well, Adrian, this was a story that we spoke about last week. Tote Kefu, he was a number eight player for the Wallabies, the Australian rugby team. He won the World Cup in 1999. Even you know, the All Blacks were, were defeated in that uh, tournament, although Australia didn't de defeat them. It was France who defeated them, and Australia defeated France in the final. But he was at home a week ago, and with his family, he's now in his late 40s, and there was a home invasion. It was four teenagers with knives. And his wife heard the noise in the middle of the night, went downstairs, and she thought it was possums. We have a big problem with possums in, in Brisbane, you know, and where Tote Kefu lives is not far from where I live. So you're hearing this noise in the night sometimes, and it's a possum. But he, she went downstairs and saw these teenagers with knives. And then they had this great uh, kind of altercation with the teenagers. And uh, Tote Kefu was there and his, his son was actually the one that probably saved his life. Tote Kefu saying that his son went into beast mode and fought back, you know, because these teenagers, you know, they're literally they're 15 and 13 years of age. How scary is that? So Tote Kefu was stabbed, but his wife got the worst injury. You know, her arm was almost sliced off by these knives and, and she's uh, kind of still recovering in hospital. But Tote Kefu gave an emotional media conference outside his house. He's back home now. 
and uh, he just sort of you know recounted the story saying that his uh, neighbor helped as well because his neighbor was able to restrain one of the alleged offenders in the front yard so he's giving credit to his son his neighbor and he said you know if it didn't turn up the way it did you know with the neighbor coming in to help it could have been a different story he could have been dead you know so this this is a big story that's continuing to create headlines and one wonders you know why these teenagers are out in the middle of the night wreaking havoc and, and causing such pain and grief to a, a really loving family yeah lucky to be alive to say the least and uh, you know we wish him a speedy recovery jason just before i let you go this is you know quite interesting summer like weather in brisbane sydney and melbourne but it's winter yeah that's right i remember last week we were talking about uh, the weather here and i was talking about the magpies the birds you know, oh yes yeah yeah attack people but it isn't actually spring yet it's still winter i mean spring doesn't start here until september the first and we are having spring-like weather, but that's turned into summer-like weather over the past few days. Even Sydney, right? Sydney's south of here. You know, the Gold Coast where I am and Brisbane is known for its very mild weather within winter. But Sydney had a top temperature of 27 degrees uh, yesterday. And that shows you that, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a time of year when we're expecting maybe 17 or 18 degrees as a top temperature. Even Melbourne was in the mid-20s. And we've had mid-20s, 26, 27 here in Brisbane, where the average uh, maximum temperature in August is something like 21 or 22. So, um, you know, the weather is going to change. It's not going to keep warm and go right through till summer. We are going to cool off later this week. But I am making the most of the weather, Adrian. i got to tell my uh, listeners out there and getting down to the Gold Coast. I, I drive down once a week. Takes me about 56 minutes from my house, and I, I jump into the ocean at, at Southport. I go for a run, and uh, it's just fantastic. You know, even if it's like 19 or 20 degrees in the Gold Coast and it's sunny, it's still warm enough to swim. Uh, and that's why we get so many visitors, not now because of COVID, but from New Zealand. They come here in July, which is winter, and they say, wow, it's so warm. Whereas to us, it's quite cold. And of course, to Singaporeans, it seems quite cold as well. I remember when I lived in Singapore and I lived there for almost 20 years, as you listeners know, I, I took a trip to the Gold Coast with my family about 10 years ago in July. And I'm like, OK, I remember when I was a, a kid in Sydney and we went to the Gold Coast, I would swim in winter. But coming from Singapore and, you know, we're used to Phuket and Bali and all those, you know, 28 degrees Celsius in the in the sea. When you jump in in the middle of winter and it's 19 degrees in the sea, we can't take, you know, from a Southeast Asian perspective. But now I've acclimatized again. I've got no issues about uh, swimming in the ocean in winter. Yeah, awesome, Jason. Glad that you're having such a good time uh, during these times. And also the weather is, you know, doing its part to make sure you thoroughly enjoy yourself before it all Cools off. Jason, always a pleasure speaking with you. And, uh, you know, I hope you have a great week ahead. Stay safe and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you very much, Adrian. And just to let everyone know, I've got my Halia next to me as I talk to you. You know, I was cutting up all the ginger for my tea and getting the evaporated milk, but now I found frozen ginger, which is so easy. Frozen ginger pieces and you throw it in the, in the pan and it's much quicker. So I'm definitely enjoying my tea Ali Adun as I speak to you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.